Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of the Global Heart Failure Academy and is brought to you by Medtelligence. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. In patients with heart failure, rapid initiation and up titration of the guideline-directed medical therapy, or as we call a GDMT, is really crucial to patient outcomes. Despite this, there are considerable gaps in the use of GDMT due to the risk of hyperkalemia. This is especially true for our patients who have multiple comorbidities, which is obviously very common in this syndrome, such as CKD and diabetes. Today, we are exploring the clinical evidence of the use of potassium binders in the management of hyperkalemia for patients with heart failure. The most recent study results we have are from the DIAMOND trial. So how can we support evidence-based decision-making to address the concerns of hyperkalemia while maintaining guideline-directed medical therapy in patients with heart failure? This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Ileana Pina. Dr. Anker, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Stefan Anker. Thank you for having me. I'm a heart failure cardiologist from Berlin in Germany at Charité Medical School and really have a great pleasure being here with you to discuss this topic. Dr. Butler. Very much the same here. I'm a heart failure cardiologist and delighted to be here with you. I'm practicing in Dallas, Texas. Dr. Pitt, do you want to introduce yourself, please? Yes, I'm Dr. Bertram Pitt at the University of Michigan School of Medicine and have been involved with heart failure and MRAs over the last several decades. So, Dr. Pitt, as I just mentioned, hyperkalemia is a real problem in these patients because it can lead to a reduction in necessary therapies, and we always try to avoid reducing those necessary therapies. What are some of the challenges we all face when trying to maintain GDMT in heart failure? Well, I think... Everyone knows that the steroidal MRAs of plarinone and spironolactone are a class one indication in heart failure, a reduced ejection fraction, and have been shown to reduce total mortality and total hospitalizations. Now, despite the fact that they are a class one indication and have shown a reduction in mortality, hospitalization, and healthcare costs, their use is really suboptimal. For instance, the recent U.S. Get With the Guidelines Heart Failure Registry shows there's a tremendous underuse of MRAs. But this is also seen in Europe, in the Danish registry, and in many other registries. In the U.S. Get With the Guidelines Registry, in fact, even people with a GFR over 90 had suboptimal use. But once it got down to a GFR of less than 45, only about 26% of people were using a steroidal MRA. The reason, obviously, is the fear of hyperkalemia. But once they start an MRA, these MRAs are stopped, and that's because of an increase in potassium or a drop in EGFR. And the drop in EGFR scares people, but it's really hemodynamically mediated. So there is this tremendous underuse of MRAs And we know from several studies that if you don't use an MRA in a person 
with HEFREF, then there is an increase in mortality, increase in hospitalization, increase in healthcare costs, and obviously we're doing our patients a disservice. So this fear has really driven this underuse and created a tremendous opportunity. And if you have a history of hyperkalemia or hyperkalemia, the use is even less. So I think there is a tremendous opportunity because of the suboptimal use of MRAs. Thank you. Thank you, Bert. And I always recommend that if the patient's in the hospital, why not start it in the hospital a day or two before? Because then it gives you a chance to actually see what happens to the creatinine and the potassium. And I think people would be much more comfortable sending the patients home on it once they have seen some data. But I agree with you. Well, it's, it's obviously, vastly, that's a very good yeah. strategy. Uh, but unfortunately, it isn't happening. I agree, and it's very frustrating. I just saw two patients exactly with what you are describing in the post-discharge clinic. So, Dr. Butler, we've seen considerable data over the years on the use of potassium binders to manage hyperkalemia and therefore enable RASI therapy, which is what we like to do. The most recent data comes from our DIAMOND study. This was the purpose of the DIAMOND study. What have we really learned from it, Javed? Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, there are sizable data in terms of potassium binders, novel potassium binders, pteromer and sodium zirconium cyclosilicate in terms of managing potassium, maintaining normal kalemia. But when it comes specifically to heart failure population and specifically to optimize medical therapy, RAS inhibitors, MRAs, ACE, ARP, ARNI, the data were relatively limited. And then the question is, how does it impact clinical outcomes? So the DIAMOND trial was specifically designed to answer all of these questions. So patients who currently have hyperkalemia or may have had history of hyperkalemia due to RAS inhibitor therapy that led to compromise of RAS inhibitor therapy or MRA therapy, then went into an open-label phase where their RAS inhibitor therapy was optimized with the use of pteromer. And those patients that got onto the optimal medical therapy were then randomized to either withdrawal of pteromer or continued pteromer. And then the idea was to long-term follow these patients for clinical outcomes. So the first learning that we had in this study design was actually the learning from the run-in phase. And that is that there are all of these concerns that, you know, even in patients with hyperkalemia, you may not be able to optimize RASI therapy because of low blood pressure and GFR and creatinine and all those kind of stuff, dizziness. But in this study, we found that about 85% of the patients, we were able to optimize medical therapy. So this is actually a pretty interesting finding, although this was not the part of the randomized trial per se. But this run-in phase that in 85% of the patients with the use of potassium binder pteromer, you can optimize RAS inhibitor therapy. It was a really pleasant finding. So then you go to the randomized phase, and the idea was to look for clinical outcomes. Well, then the reality hit with COVID. Many of the trials were impacted with COVID. And in this particular trial, it was not only an issue of the fact that enrollment slowed down and the natural history changed. We didn't have as many hospitalizations and event rate. But here, remember that patients who are high risk, we are forced up titrating RAS inhibitor therapy in that patient. So it was very important for us to make sure that the patients continue to get their investigational therapy and have the routine follow-up mm -hmm. for laboratory testing, and we couldn't do that. So a decision was made to change the aim of the trial a little bit from clinical outcomes to control of potassium and simultaneously optimization of RASI therapy. 
So we completed the trial, and what we basically found was that you can get both things done simultaneously. You know, one problem in this field is you either have high potassium and optimal RASI therapy or good potassium but not optimal RASI therapy. Live with it. Yeah, so the question is how do you achieve both? So our primary endpoint was serum potassium level control, which was significantly in favor of pteromer therapy. But then we really looked at our secondary outcomes. They were hierarchically tested, statistically in, in sort of a sound manner. Every possible combination that you can think of as a clinician. So first, time to first event of hyperkalemia. Total hyperkalemia events, first and recurrent. RAS inhibitor use the comprehensive RAS inhibitor use, sort of putting in all the ASR, ARNI, beta blocker, MRAs, all of those things together. And if you look at this total evidence, what we found is that while you're managing potassium, you're reducing the risk of hyperkalemia event and optimizing medical therapy and achieving better comprehensive medical therapy in these patients. So you're really doing both. I often find that the fear of hyperkalemia may be even higher than the actual hyperkalemia. And so the drug gets avoided because of the fear. I think maybe repeating potassium is a good idea, how potassium is drawn. Is it sitting somewhere? There's so many things that can affect the potassium. For those of you just tuning in, we are listening to CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Ileana Pena. I'm here today with my good friends, Dr. Bert Pitt, Javed Butler, and Stefan Anker. We're discussing the management of hyperkalemia in our patients with heart failure and the recently released results of the DIAMOND trial. So, Dr. Anker, what are your thoughts on what we have learned today and the clinical implications, and how are you going to use it in your clinic? Yeah, thank you so much. I personally believe that the DIAMOND study will open in heart failure an approach to using medicines that we didn't have there before, and that is the enablement of therapy. That's an important word. Make other therapies feasible by giving something that protects the patient. And you spoke about fear, maybe even is anxiolytic to the, to to the, the, to the physician. And, <laughs> and so we, we need to learn from other fields of medicine. In cancer, we are using anti-emetic drugs to enable time. chemotherapy. And let's not forget, even in cardiology, we're using proton pump inhibitors to enable some anticoagulants. Mm -hmm. They were never tested for outcomes other than safety events. And Nor here were we, they asked for outcomes. Yeah, and now we have the same thing in the Diamond study. We know it makes the use of RASI therapy A, more successful in keeping patients where the guidelines want our patients to be, which is ideally at the maximum tolerated trial recommended dose, but at least 50%. And second, make it more safe in using them to have less hyperkalemia events. And so this is really opening up a new avenue of caring for our heart failure patients. And I'm very positive about it. And I'm very happy that already the guidelines in the U.S. just came out the other day. And there's uh, a mention of it in there for the first yeah, time. to be so. recommendation. Yeah, yeah. And this is a good sign. And it's the first time you in the European guidelines have had some of this before. We had a the verbal label. mentioning there mm -hmm. because we didn't have the results of the Diamond study now yet. Now you can go back and yes. tweak that one. Very good. Well, this has certainly been a fascinating conversation. But before we wrap up, I want to hear from each of you a take-home message with the audience. Let's start with you, Dr. Pitt. Well, I think we've heard a lot, but 
a lot of us have been focused on developing new drugs for heart failure, but I think it's very clear from the Diamond study that if we can use Paterimer, we can use one of the four pillars of approved drugs, the steroidal MRAs, and really have a great effect in reducing mortality, hospitalization for heart failure, and eventually health care costs. So this is really an important advance. Thank you. Thank you, Bert. Dr. Butler, what is your take-home message? Well, my take-home message would be that, obviously, there is no doubt that these therapies are life-saving and improve patients' outcome. So there's no debate or argument there and that we have to give these therapies and global guidelines give it a class one recommendation. So that's a settled debate. The issue is that there are a whole lot of reasons for which people are not on optimal medical therapy. And I think with the results of this trial, hyperkalemia should be stricken off that list, that there is nobody who should not receive optimal medical therapy because of hyperkalemia. Now, realizing, obviously, accessibility and all of those real-life issues come in, but short of an alternate reason, hyperkalemia by itself should not be a reason to not optimally treat our patients. So we should see registries doing better if this is, in fact, the case. Yeah, I would like to extend on what Java just said. And simply go home and say, okay, hyperkalemia is an issue, but it's a manageable issue. And just do it. Yeah, I often wonder if we even believe how good these drugs are. And I think the COVID pandemic sort of taught us how good the drugs are that we use, the guideline-directed medical therapy. So believe it, embrace it, and now we're giving you another tool to get the patients on it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. So I want to thank our audience for listening, and I want to thank Dr. Pitt, Dr. Butler, and Dr. Anker for joining me today and sharing all their valuable insights. It was great speaking with you today. Have a great day. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Medtelligence. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash heart failure. Thank you for listening.